<laughs> Nothing more horrific than thinking of Jennifer Love huge tits walking down the street naked, huh? Uh, no, I mean we'll get into that whenever we discuss that. She, uh, you talk about glow ups. I mean, she oh my had one god, these two movies within a year, and these movies yeah. like a year apart. Well, yeah, probably year two apart. years. Well, but yeah, yeah. Well, because well, she, I guess she looked like she did, and then I guess a year later, another film came out, so probably less than a year. Yeah. Oh my god. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Death Holler. <laughs> I'm your host and the hook-handed psychopath, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is La Urena. How was your 4th of July? Urena? It was explosive, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I am here to say that Californians, they don't, they're not listening anymore. You want to take the fun fireworks away from them, and they're like, fuck you. It's my day of freedom, and I'm going to take it. Now, I haven't heard of any crazy fires or anything that have occurred from any, whether they be homemade or absolutely legal in a different state fireworks that I may or may not have had. But, um, yeah, it was it was an explosive. It was actually the first time in a long time I actually had a good 4th of July because I'm so fucking unimpressed with what like. California fireworks suck donkey balls. <laughs> Here's some sparklers and a snake. Yeah. Have oh. fun, kids. And for anyone out there, if you have any kind of laws against certain fireworks and things like that, if you miss the old days when you used to step on a hot metal sparkler, Reverend, I don't know if that's a, a thing that happened to you in the past. I didn't. I was always afraid of fireworks to a certain extent. I gave them the, the I gave them the wide berth that they I felt like they deserved. Okay. Um, well, uh, stepping on metal sparklers is something most kids. It's a trauma you have to experience as a kid. Uh, nothing like stepping on a hot piece of metal. That'll really fucking fuck you up in your world, and you just continue on with the night like nothing ever happened. But <laughs> those have been illegal for a long time. They are legal. Every state, they are legal. If you go to, oh, God, WeddingSparklers.com, I believe what's what it's called, uh, oh do what God. you want with that information. They are the longest metal sparklers I've ever seen in my entire life. That's what she said. And they also last a long time. That's what she said. In fact, they last so long, you get bored. You like, you're like, okay, where's the bucket of water? I just, I want to be done with this. It, just, it goes on so long. Yeah, we... Uh... We can pretty much like get whatever we want here, especially if we, uh, well, at really any time of year, if we really wanted to, because we can just hop over Fuck to Jellicoe Mountain and go to Tennessee yeah. and get it. But, uh, yeah, they're uh, rednecks and hillbillies, they, they like to shoot their guns in yes. addition to just shooting off fireworks. So yeah. that happens around here, too. Well, I don't, like I said, I don't live in the city, but I live in the burbs, and we don't do that in the burbs. <laughs> So, but we, yes, plenty, plenty of fireworks going off. In fact, if we didn't want, we're probably not going to be buying anymore because there's this little Bodunk town in Nevada. It literally, their whole life is selling fireworks, 20, 365 days a year. That's, that's what they do. And they're, they're very quality fireworks. They are so quality because Nevada's got it locked down. They have it to where they live in a desert, so they don't want to set shit on fire. So they have this weird encasing the, where the explosion still happens, but when the rest of the firework falls to the ground, it's in like some like clay casing so that it cools mm -hmm. off and doesn't catch anything on fire. 
Did you see that? I saw it on TikTok where there was like some place <clears> out in California where they were like doing the like cities fireworks. Oh. And the whole show like went off at the same oh. time. <laughs> and it was like for 25, they, uh, uh, the show that should have took 30 minutes to see happened in 25 seconds. And it and looked it like, just, yeah. Yeah. It, it looked like a, uh, like a supernova went off. Cause I mean, it was yes. just brightness is all you could see oh that's hella funny <laughs> that's what you get for being stupid i didn't know it was in california i thought i would i read arizona but maybe i i saw california in the one i was looking at but whatever i mean yeah it, it, it regardless it that, seems like a california thing we get we get real excited okay when we're about to see things that we don't get to see we don't get to do uh yeah that's a thing so yes fourth of july um lots of explosions no slashing though you know <laughs> well, as the last of the fireworks began to ignite overhead, we fail to notice the hooded figure with a hook hand closing in on us. Our stalker has timed his kill to perfectly coincide with a constant barrage of explosions, smothering our screams. In the confusion that follows, no one will see the figure as he slips back under the cover of night. Thus, the legend of the hook continues. Born of an urban legend, the particulars of the story about a hook-handed killer change with each telling. However, one thing remains the same, the story's ability to scare its audience. We've already covered one iteration of the hook killer, the Candyman, but this episode we will reveal two, uh, review two other versions of the myth, Lover's Lane from 1999 and I Know What You Did Last Summer and its sequel from, not, from 97 to 98 respectively. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> Shut up. Pull up a chair, grill some hot dogs, and let's celebrate America's independence with some horror films. Yes. But first, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. Attack those bees! What, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, my eyes! I have a I confession. I didn't actually scream that this time, yeah. which is good. You didn't, uh, really? Because I'll tell you what, I did. I watched this movie not all the way through. I watched you watched as, Lover's Lane? I watched as far as I could make it. Well, that's good because I'll have somebody to bounce this off of for one. Yeah, um, for the first time in, I don't know, this is like number two I've ever watched. <laughs> Lover's Lane from 1999. I would like to call this movie uh, Baby's First Slasher is what I would like to call it. <laughs> Uh, if it wasn't for the tits in this movie, this is literally a movie you could show like a five-year-old. Probably, and, like, yeah. Horror movies. Uh, yeah, they'd probably be bored to death, though. Uh, I don't know. A kid that age might get something out of it. Maybe, um, yeah. Taglines: Don't get hooked. That's a good one. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> yep, and the and this one's funny. And the tradition of I know what you did last summer, <laughs> which was what they put on the UK VHS cover of this movie, dirty, which I find hilarious. That does connect it to this very well yeah um directed by john stephen ward uh written by jeff miller and rory ville music by bc smith principal players we have aaron j dean playing mandy anderson and also her mother harriet anderson as both the final girl and her dead mother um in different scenes uh if you got the same actress and you don't have to pay her anything extra 
use her for yeah. her, you know, mother's part. I mean, you know, whenever she was a kid. Uh, we got Ed Bailey playing Ray Hennessy, who is our slasher, in quotation marks. Uh, he's not, folks. <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get to the killer here in a minute. Uh, Riley Smith plays Michael Lampson, who is the love interest of Mandy. Matt Wrighty, uh Reedy plays uh, Sheriff Tom Anderson, who is the father to Mandy and the widowed husband of Harriet. Ooh, that was Richard's. Rough. Yeah, that that's it's a hell of a way to find your wife when you're the sheriff. Whenever she's been disemboweled because she's been fucking the the high school teacher's uh, husband, uh, or at least that seems that way. Yeah. Uh, while while you were you had the kid out one night and you were just you know uh, talking about how you want meet to meet uh, meet up with her later. Yeah, um, we're gonna go pick up your mom. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Off the ground in a body bag. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Richard Sanders plays Dr. Jack Griff, uh, who's the psychologist and the father of Chloe. Uh, spoiler alert, folks, uh, the psychologist is the killer in this movie because he is actually the one who was in love with the sheriff's wife. She spurned him, and he set up the thing to make uh, to kill them both, to kill her and the, the one that she was confiding in, which was, I still don't know why she was confiding in the 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 husband of the teacher, but regardless, they say at the end of the movie that there was nothing going on between the two of them. And it just, and Dr. Jack Griff made it appear that way. And he killed him. And then he got off scot-free Wow! Uh, while he blamed it on Ray Hennessy. Uh, yeah. And then spent years convincing Ray Hennessy that he was the hook handed killer. I was which... wondering, okay. I'm so glad you said that because I was wondering why, at some point of the movie, he was like, why did you do that? Why did you feel that way? And it, it felt like it was more not questioning, but putting it in his head. And I was it like, was, what's yeah. happening? Okay, so I didn't, obviously I didn't finish the movie, as you could tell. So, okay, please continue. And it's funny, too, because there's a scene in the movie where it shows that the the psychologist has the hook in question that was used to kill these people uh, on his desk in a glass jar as like a trophy or, okay. a, you know, like a paperweight that right there like i when i saw that scene i'm like why the fuck do you have that like i mean shouldn't that have been in the police custody first of all yeah Secondly, that's kind of morbid i mean if you're you know i mean it, it just it didn't sit right with me I, the whole entire movie i'm like that's not right but anyways i digress I digress. Uh, Brian Almond uh, plays Ward Lampson, who is the father of Riley, and then he seemed to be having an affair with Harriet, but as we've said, he really wasn't. Uh, still don't know why he was talking to her, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, Mike Shapiro plays Deputy David Schwick, who is a horndog cop <laughs> that likes underage girls, Ooh. which is kind of nasty. Yeah. Uh, did you see that scene in yes. the, the diner? the cafe okay. Yeah, that was... Uh... He, he, you know, I'll tell you what, his facial expression spot on. He he did a really good job acting he that did. scene. I mean, he was one step away from just whipping it out and beating oh, right yeah. there in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean. Or joining the fucking table. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. He might have been up for an, uh, an Eiffel Tower or something. So who knows? But um, I like how nobody yeah. else in that cafe noticed what was going on, though. <laughs> yeah. She's just sitting there straddling that kid and basically like, you know, like dry humping him and then you know everybody's like oh kids you know that's what they do nowadays in the mm -hmm. 80s oh these kids 90s, as a whole fucking or, family is behind them eating <laughs> or the 90s whenever this was said i don't know but. uh definitely 1999 uh, maybe filmed in 1998 the fucking clothes match the time i felt like i had time warped back in the day 
This movie, um, before we get to the rest of the characters, uh, it felt like an after-school special that oh, you've seen back in the yeah. day. It did. I mean, I'm not saying and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It actually, no. if it was, a, if it, the funny thing is, the guys who made this movie were did TV movies, so okay. it makes perfect sense. Okay. that this movie feels that way because that's what they did. You yeah. Know? Uh, they just got tired of the. They said on the, I mean, the special features of what I was listening to, they uh, they got tired of the studios limiting what they could do within their movies, so they just decided to make a movie. But it seems like they couldn't get away from the TV movie of the week yeah. that they were used to making because that's what this movie feels like. Um, ben Indra plays Bradley, uh, who cucks Michael. He is the one that's getting dry humped by yes. Chloe in the in the in the diner. And uh, he was Anna Ferris's real husband at one point in time, shortly after this movie was made. Wow. Yeah, that was before she, uh, I, I don't know if she why she left him, but then she hopped on Chris Pratt's dick, and then uh, she hopped on some other dick, and that's the reason they separated. So I don't know. She 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 likes to have her funds, all I can yes. say. Hot dad bod Star-Lord. That's all I know him <laughs> by. Uh, Colin F. Peacock plays Tim, who's the boyfriend of Kathy. Uh, Anna Ferris, uh, her first movie role is in this. Yeah. Uh, playing Janelle Bay, who is the new girl and uh, a cheerleader and a uh, friend of Mandy in the movie. Um, she has one of the worst deaths in the movie, though, whenever I cover what happened to her. They don't show it, so you don't get to see it, but, I mean... It's it's the worst one in the movie. Uh, Billy O'Sullivan plays Doug, the Joker of the teens. Uh, Megan Hunt, not Mike Hunt, but Megan Hunt, plays Kathy, the girlfriend of Tim. Steve Schweikert plays Old Man Yasker. And then Joyce Schweikert plays, which I guess they were husband and wife, which I, that's convenient. Schweikert? Plays Mrs. Schweikert. That name sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, that sounds real familiar. I don't know who would have that last name. <laughs> <laughs> plays Mrs. Yager. Or Yasger, and they were the owners of the house that their bodies are found. Okay, which is a a little hint about this movie. Almost all the deaths occur off screen, and then somebody finds the dead bodies later. Boo. So that's why it's it's that's why it's like your baby's first slasher because there's only like two or three people that actually get actively slashed in this movie or hooked, and then everybody else is like their bloody corpse is found later. Which you know, eh, it. It's okay if you you know yeah. if you're not really looking for gore, but like gore hounds are not impressed by that. Yeah. And then Sarah Lancaster plays Chloe Griff, uh, who is the mean hot girl and daughter of psychologist. She, I mean, now to be fair, Anna Ferris is the only one in the movie that like made any kind of like I, I, the guy who played the sheriff wasn't too bad. I mean, as a character yeah. actor, but Anna Ferris is the only one. Like we talked about with Leprechaun with uh, Jennifer Aniston. When you saw Anna Ferris in this movie, it's like you were drawn to her. It's like there's something about her. Like she's got potential, which she obviously did. Yeah. Went on the scary movie. But she's the only one in this movie that really does that. Sarah Lancaster only stands out because, I mean, she's not bad to look at and she flops her tits out in the movie. That's literally yeah. all she has going for her. Yeah, she's she's definitely got a body yaddy 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 on her. Like she and she was on her thought <laughs> shit in this fucking movie, so 
Yeah, I mean, and that's and everybody else is just kind of. I mean, I don't even remember half the people in the movie. Otherwise, I mm-hmm. mean, there the, was a Zach the, Morrison wannabe looking motherfucker in there, and yeah, that was the that was the the Michael Lampson character yeah. or, or actor, and then uh, or, or the character, I guess, and then Doctor Jack Griff. That Richard Sanders was actually a character actor, so when I saw him, I kind of you know, but. Still, I mean, it, Anna Ferris was the one that stood out in this movie. And it yeah. wasn't because I was looking for her. It's just she, you know, that was how it was. Um, synopsis for this movie, based upon the urban legend, a couple of teens are making out at Lover's Lane when they are attacked by a hook-wielding madman. They aren't killed, but they do find that the sheriff's wife and the local teacher's husband were murdered while seemingly having a romantic tryst. Uh, several years later, the madman escapes the local mental institution, or does he, and begins targeting the children of those that locked him up. Hooks are slashing, tits are flashing, <laughs> and teens are dropping like flies. Just remember, there is no such thing as safe sex. <laughs> good lord that that's a tagline which i thought was funny because i was like i was told there is such thing as safe sex so yeah I, i'm so confused so wait so we just shouldn't try it all is what you're telling me yeah just don't even put a condom on yeah it. you're gonna get hurt regardless uh body count in this movie is respectable actually Ooh. uh 14 counted and 16 not counted uh although a lot of them are off screen so yeah not too excited uh, Ward is slashed with a hook off screen. Uh, Harriet is hooked off screen. Mr. Hastings is hooked off screen. Mail shop clerk is hooked off screen. Mm-hmm. See the pattern, folks? Yes. Uh, Deputy David Schwick is one of the few in the movie. He's hooked through the head um, and has a little bit of blood going on, so that's decent. Uh, Brad has his throat cut off screen. Uh, Tim is hooked by the hook. Whoa. Uh, Janelle, uh, that's Anna Ferris, folks, is hooked in the vagina. Wow. <laughs> so, wait, how do that's we what, know? It was when you found her, it was blood all over her cheerleading skirt? I think it was implied, yeah. And they cut away really quick, but it was like the way that she was gashed. Her gash was gashed, you know. Her gash uh, was gashed. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Like that, she has the work. And you know who killed her in this movie? I, it was Hook Junior. It was that Chloe. The only death Chloe has in the entire movie. I mean, she, bitch is hardcore. When she kills you, she goes for your fucking genitals. She don't. God damn. Like, yeah, she just rips that the vagina, that fine vagina. Fine vagina. Shut. Okay, you know that is it. I'm shutting it down. Podcast. <laughs> if we're fucking. Where's good, the fucking good night, music? Everybody. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> fucking fine vagina <laughs> doug is knifed through both legs uh by the hook kathy dies in a car crash and that's michael's fault in a car accident uh old man yasger and his wife are hooked off screen again uh chloe is actually hooked in the face by her father that's actually a pretty good scene toward the end of the movie and then dr jack griff himself after being burnt uh and and earlier in the movie and having half his face kind of melted off, he is stabbed in the back with a hook by Mandy, uh, which is a good way for the final girl to take him out because she takes his implement of death and kills him with it. Um, The only problem is, is uncounted. And this is the ending that I don't like. And I've seen, we already seen this in new year's evil. Uh, Very similar scene, actually. So at the end of the movie, Sheriff Reedy gets in the car uh, he's he's talking to the principal now, who was the yeah. teacher. 
they him and her both lost their spouses back in the day. Yeah. Uh, thinking they were cheating. So they kind of, it kind of hints that there's something romantic going on between the two of them. Yeah. And they're, you know, they, they've rescued their kids. So everything's fine. Uh, but Ray Hennessy's not to be found. And the final scene is that the that Mandy and uh, Michael both get in a cop car, and the cop who's driving the car just happens to reach out to grab the car door with a hook and closes it and drives off with them into the like woods. Yeah. So, so it's it's uncounted. It's the it's assumed that Mandy and Michael could have been killed by Ray after years of being gaslit by Doctor Jack Greff. Uh, to uh, that he was the hook killer. He finally becomes the hook killer and kills our, you know, heroes of the movie. Yeah. I don't like those endings. I hate when yeah. they do that. Uh, trivia for this, Anna Ferris appeared in this film a year before she would appear in Scary Movie. Um, so this was like her intro movie. And remember when we talked about Scary Movie, she was on the verge of leaving Hollywood when she got that part. So like this movie did nothing for her career. She applied for scary movie. And if she hadn't got it, she would have did something totally different. Damn. <laughs> uh, Lover's Lane was supposed to be uh, filmed at Mount Si high school in Snoqualmie, Washington. Oh, fuck. But, yeah. I don't know how you say that. But due to several real-life student deaths, <gasps> including a triple murder, oh, the, school the school decided it wouldn't be appropriate to film uh, or to be associated with this movie and backed out of it. Yeah, so. fucking think. <laughs> uh, Eric J. Dean played both Mandy Anderson and her mother, uh, and she was credited as Ann Jeter uh, as her in her role as Harriet because that's an anagram of Aaron J. Dean. So, oh my god. I don't know why they did that, but you so know, wait, nor- you're telling me the the girl with the with the butterfly clips in her hair, mm-hmm. the the frumpy looking body because she was wearing some frumpy ass clothes yeah, with the tits at the beginning of the, the film. Movie. Yeah, she played the 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 hot mom that was like dead in the car at the beginning of it. She didn't. They did a good job because the hot mom was blonde in the car. Yeah. Yes. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 Was she the, the mom that got slashed or the one that was showing her tits? No, she... Okay. It, she was... Uh, w- the teens that were in the car, there was a... The scenes beginning okay. where there was two teens, one showing her tits, and they were ample. So yes. they're not... I mean, the tits in this movie are not bad. I'll give them that for what they show, uh, which is actually more than our next set of movies showed. So, you know, at least this movie got that right. Um, but, like, when the teens get slashed or get attacked... They run in the, this other car that's there. They think that it's like somebody that'll help them, and they yeah. find the dead bodies. So uh, she was one of the dead bodies. Okay, the that makes sense. Okay, okay, okay. And then, of course, Anna Ferris and Ben Idra uh, met on the set of the film, and they were married from 2004 to 2008. Um, you can, I mean, I, what, what's your review on the movie? And I'll give mine in the Nick Cage rating that I normally give it. I didn't even make it up to the uh, uh, the deaths because, uh, well, I've seen a few, I saw a few deaths at the beginning, but like I think we were about to see the pervert cop get killed. I think, yes. and mm-hmm. that's when I was like, okay, I'm out of here. I had just come from two movies back to back that I thought that the acting was pretty bad, and then this movie came along. So <laughs> that that's my thoughts. Um, Nicholas Cage yeah. rating, uh, you know, I don't, I, God, I, I don't have enough Nicholas Cage films in my fucking arsenal to shoot one off. 
That's fine. I always look him up to kind of compare what he's been in. I'm going to give this Amos and Andrew because it's a fine movie, it, it, but it's forgettable, just like Amos and Andrew. Like, does anybody remember that movie from Nick Cage? Never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and uh, this movie is the same way. I'll actually say that the acting by certain people in this movie is better than the acting in a certain set of movies that we're getting ready to review, if you catch my drift. so <laughs> I uh, suppose... Yeah, well, just uh, when we get to the talking about the people who did the bad acting in the two movies that we're mainly discussing, I, we'll see if you agree with me. I'm not saying across the board the acting's bad because they actually have some decent actors in yeah. some of those movies, but there is one actor in particular, holy hell, cannot act. And I, I would take Anna Ferris in this movie over that person any day, regardless of the fact if this was her first movie or not. <laughs> Maybe I know who you're talking about, but we'll probably get into that when we start reviewing. Yeah. Uh, so let's just get into that. Um, I know what you did last summer from Wait, 1996. What? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the movie I watched. Uh, from 1990, I watched Cruel Intentions. Well, <laughs> you, you, you basically watched the best actors from this movie then, if that's what you did. Uh, from oh. 1997. <laughs> God, we're going to beg to differ on so many things in this movie. You don't think? Okay. Okay, let's just keep going. Let's let's roll. (laughs) All right. Uh, Tagline. uh, The mistake they made is coming back to haunt them. Too many words. Too long. Didn't read. There's a bunch more. There's like like 20 taglines, so we'll see if you like some of the other ones. Uh, Directed by Jim Gillespie. Written by Kevin Williamson. If you'll remember, folks, who also wrote Scream. Um, This was actually written before Scream, but he couldn't get it made. And then once Scream came out, they were beating down his door, and he was like, oh. I got this. And then they're like, all right, let's make it. Look who's hot uh, shit now. Yeah, and Lois Duncan, which uh, she wrote the book that this was based off of, and she hated this movie. Wow. Because her book did not have deaths in it, and <laughs> she thought this was too crass of a movie. Oh, you know? shut up, Lois. <laughs> Uh, music by John Debney, uh, made for a budget of $17 million. The reason this made, got a sequel, folks, is because it made $125.3 million. An explosion of fucking money. Yeah. On this movie. Yeah. Um, principal players, Jennifer Love Hewitt, which will be forever remembered in the rest of this podcast as huge tits. Yes. Thank you, uh, Raina. Julie James, uh, but which, by the way, I think they call her Jennifer Love Huge Tits in uh, was it Knocked Up with Seth Rogen? I think one of them calls her that in that movie. No, I don't believe you. I swore I was the one who like made. The, I know she's been called for it by four. There's no way no one else in this world has called her Jennifer Love Huge Tits. Um, I thought that I had created I because I had not heard. But I had seen Knocked Up, so I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in Knocked Up if you go back and you look that up. But oh anyways, uh, uh, she's our final girl, folks. And uh, I think that there was another actress in this movie that should have been chosen as the final girl, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, she was obviously in The Ghost Whisperer and all the episodes that went along with that TV show. Love that. I love that show so much. <laughs> Uh, there was actually another uh, uh, person in this movie that was on the episode of that show that we'll get to in just a second, but uh, she's got a very small part in Tropic Thunder, which is uh, uh, my favorite comedy yeah. probably of all okay, time. Okay, wait, who was she in Tropic Thunder? I don't remember. Uh, she played herself on uh, like uh, like a oh. very short scene, like accepting an award or something okay. right before like uh, Tug Speedman got his or something. Okay. You know? 
Uh, she was in the Garfield movies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Can't Hardly Wait, which is a very good uh, coming of age. Yeah. nineties. you know. Well, especially for uh, us. Romantic. Con- yeah. I mean, and uh, Heartbreakers, which I feel like you like that movie. I, Maybe not. I did. I like that movie a lot. Me and my mom used to get a big old kick out of it because, I mean, Sigourney Weaver was hot in that movie. Uh, so Gorney Weaver's hot in a lot of movies. She's, Have you yes. seen her in that movie, uh, Galaxy Quest? Oh God! Yeah. Like, um, yeah. and I don't know. I think I think the reason. Well, you got to remember, folks. My mom is only seventeen years older than me, so I think my mom for a long time had that super hot mom situation going on with me, also being young and coming into you know myself. So. So she thought that you all could pull a heartbreakers off and go around and like rob a bunch of like rich guys or whatever. I don't think she thought that. I think we could relate though to a hot mom, hot daughter (laughs) situation and the mom just fucking driving the daughter crazy. I can relate anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Jennifer Love Hewitt or Huge Tits was actually a singer uh, even before she really became famous in movies. So I mean, she's got a lot of you know, songs to her credit. She's Um, a vocalist. She was also in the client list if you want to see her half naked in every episode. So (laughs) two seasons of that. I also like, I loved that show. Uh, Muse Watson plays Benjamin Willis, who is our hook slasher in this movie. Um, He was in Diary of a Lunatic, The Dead Ones, Valley of Bones, Suburban Gothic, which I think I did like a little summation like, in our first season of this podcast. Uh, and he was in one episode of the ghost whisperer, which is hilarious Yeah, as an uncredited role, because of course him and Jennifer love huge tits were reunited on her big show or whatever. That's so I'm sure awesome. everybody got a kick out of that. Uh, and then of course the movie black rainbow, <laughs> the worst actor in this fucking movie. Okay. We will agree on this one. Freddie Prince Jr. playing Ray Bronson as the fisherman and boyfriend of Julie. I don't. Uh, I don't know what to say about him because I don't even think I never thought he was good looking. Like maybe in a goofy, cute kind of way, he might get a way a pass uh, or a good boyfriend or nice guy pass. You know. You know what's you know what's hilarious about him. Uh, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar married him, mm-hmm. and I and the whole entire time I was sitting there thinking that um, uh, David Boreanaz was in this movie, and then I realized it's Freddie Prince Jr. But that's because they look alike. And then I got to thinking, I was like, did she really have an attraction to David Boreanaz? But then like he wouldn't like reciprocate or something. And she just like and she had a type. So like because there, there's something about the two of them. I mean that to me like strike a similar vibe. Like I don't uh, tall and I, I dark. Don't, yeah, like the tall guys with dark hair, kind of. I mean, you know, like I don't know, like it's just uh, something about them just hit the same chord. Oh for my me. god, they're know. they are the exact same height. I mean, David Boreanaz is obviously way more swole uh, because Freddie Prinze has a body type I would not go for, uh, which is that lean, lanky, um, and David Boreanaz has that thick boy, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> st- stature. So. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, he doesn't, Freddie Prince doesn't remind me of David Boreanaz at all. Um, he's just kind of goofy to me and he's goofy in an adorable way, but I would never have imagined putting up a poster of him on my wall. You know, here's my question. Getting back to what we just discussed on, uh, uh, lover's lane. Mm-hmm. 
Would you say that Anna Faris in that movie is a better actress in that movie than Freddie Prince Jr. is in this? Because I sure as fuck think so. Yeah. Um. Oh no, no, definitely. Because I, I, I have things to say about another actor in the film, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But Freddie Prince one hundred percent was the worst actor. And then I was trying to think of every film he's been in, including Scooby Doo, where he's not necessarily supposed to be the best actor, but more or less supposed to be comedic. And I'm like, why? I think he just got a pass because his wife was in the movie the only thing he's done that is acting that that is actually of some worth is his voice acting that he's done for various things okay in particular star wars rebels where he plays uh 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 i can never remember that like karis jan or jane Car- well, I, I can't remember the character uh, i know who you're talking well, i don't know why likes, i can't but like, yeah but like anyways he actually does a good voice acting as that character he emotes and stuff he is terrible in this fucking movie like i mean he is flat he is like i mean he looks like this lost puppy that don't know where the fuck he's at throughout most of the movie every time i saw him come on screen or screen i just like rolled my eyes i'm like you've got to be fucking kidding me again with this guy yeah Um, i don't (laughs) i don't understand i don't Um, understand him he was also in she's all that um and the and the associated music video that went along with that kiss me <laughs> what oh yeah oh my god i forgot six about sixpence none, none the richer, richer. Yeah. yes oh my jesus christ uh he's got a very small part in clerks three which even if you think and I agree with you if you think this, that Kevin Smith has become just a crying bitch in you know oh, in god. recent yeah, years um Clerks Three is actually a good movie. I will give him credit for that. It's emotional. It's if you if you like the original Clerks or well, its first two couple actually, it's worth rounding out the the last movie of the series. And there's a, a little funny part with Freddie Prince Jr. where he's auditioning for like a role in the movie within movie they're making, basically. Because uh, in Clerks Three, they're making Clerks One. Yeah. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. Know. Uh, and he was in a Netflix Hallmark-style Christmas movie recently called Christmas With You. I didn't and catch that. I, would, I need to. Uh, yeah. Try, uh, hopefully he's better actor now. I'm not going to count on it. Well, but. when those movies, you definitely don't have to be a good actress. Um, oh, Amy Garcia's in it. <laughs> you know who she is, right? She what, was she was she, the Mexican... Um, uh, she was in Lucifer. She was the, um... Oh, okay. She was the, the CSI chief yes, or whatever. Yes, yeah. So it's him and her as love interest. Okay, I want to see that now. <laughs> uh, Anne Heche, uh, R.I.P., uh, <laughs> played in this movie, uh, as Melissa Egan, uh, David's sister in the movie. Uh, she was in, uh... I, this has to be a post-mortem release. You're killing me from 2023. Um, because she, yeah, that's that's a rough name. Yeah. Uh, the, anybody didn't know Anne Hayesh, I don't know what was wrong with her. She got in two car crashes in the same day and then died, like, very shortly there. I mean, she, went, she got in a car crash. The officers asked if she was all right. She kind of mumbled some things, got back in her car. They didn't detain her. They, I don't know what, why they let her go. And then she went from that site to another site, got in another car accident that same day, and then had some kind of brain issue and died that evening. Yeah. Um, and that was like end of last year, early this year that that yeah. happened. Like, it's been very recent. 
Um, she was also in The Vanished and in the, we've already covered this movie, The Psycho 1998 remake with Vince Vaughn. It, well, you know, she was the, uh, she was definitely the main character of that film because I think she did a good job. But... Yeah, she, she was one of the few people, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not a fan of her acting career, uh, but I mean, and I'm not going to speak ill of her, but uh, there was something messed up with like how she, uh, what happened to her, like in her oh, final Oh, 100%. Day. It's weird. Definitely conspiracy theories a-floating, a for sure. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Quint plays David Egan, who is thought to be the victim killer through most of the movie. He's the kid that you see on the rocks at the beginning of the movie, like for all of like maybe 20 seconds and then you never see him again, except in photos for the rest of the film. Um, Johnny Galecki uh, plays Max, uh, who is a friend zoned pal to Julie and the blue collar kid in the movie. Uh, and I really hate how he gets taken out because he has Jack all shit to do with a yeah. killer yet. He gets killed because of, yeah, mean, that didn't make any sense. Um, I mean, if the guy's getting revenge, why go after Max? Max had the only thing you could use an excuse is like he pulled up and he could have done something, but he didn't know. Like, yeah. He didn't, the way it was framed, they were puking off the side of the road. Uh, he saw the car was banged up, but he thought they just ran into the, like the, the little hillside that was beside the road. Like there was no reason to kill him in this movie yeah. whatsoever. <clears throat> of course, he was on Roseanne for years. I mean, he played a. Uh, uh, the boyfriend, the one, uh, Roseanne's like daughter or whatever, like his her middle daughter, and uh, and then he was of course uh, Leonard Hofstetter in Big Bang Theory, uh, played in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation as Russ. Uh, I, I, love I was that wondering. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, was he? Was he the son? He was. That was a good role for him. He yeah, got to see his was. dad flirting with the lingerie lady. He's like, hey, Dad, and he's like, hey, Russ. <laughs> uh, he was in that horrible Rings sequel in 2017 uh, that we have kind of alluded to but never bothered to watch, either one of us. Uh, he was in the movie Prancer back in the day. I mean, that's a that's another big Christmas movie, although I've never watched it. Yeah. And uh, he was in music videos, surprisingly, for both Bob Seger and Dave Matthews Band. Wow, okay. Those are big names. Yeah. I mean, um, Ryan uh, Felipe, or Philippi, however you want to say yeah. it, plays Barry Cox, who is the rich jock asshole and former boyfriend to Helen, uh, who was in Cruel Intentions, of The Lincoln Lawyer, McGruber, Gosford Park, and Crimson Tide, and he cheated on Reese Witherspoon with a nanny. Oh, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> and he's been in some trouble for fucking beating his ex-girlfriends. Like, well, them breaking up with him and getting restraining orders on him because he fucking beat them or got violent with them. <laughs> like, bro, um, what are you doing? The funny thing is, is that of the two male actors in this movie that you see the most of, he is the strongest actor. He should have been uh, the final girl's boyfriend and play that role because... I, I'm sorry, he's a better actor than Freddie Prince Jr. He is. Yeah, but I think he played the asshole way better. He he did. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, and and I don't think Freddie Prince Jr. could have played the asshole that well. Mm -mm. But between the two of them, I mean, you sacrifice your good actor, like 
halfway through the movie, yeah. give or take. And then you're stuck with Freddie Prince Jr.'s stupid ass for the rest of the film. I mean, the rest of the films. Uh. Um, Ryan Felipe, I really thought his acting was poor, too. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think his acting was great. It was better than, than Freddie Prince, but what are we comparing it to? Well, now here's the thing. I'll agree with you. He was not the best in this movie. Mm-hmm. He was greater than Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. But he's pretty damn good in Cruel Intentions. Yes, he's good in Cruel Intentions. I will give him that. So, yes, Cruel Intentions. Aside, for some reason in this film, I was like, what the fuck are we watching? An episode of Say by the Bell? He did it's funny because uh the, the actor that we covered on Scary Movie that played this character basically, the one that had this, the small penis that oh, everybody yeah. made fun of played this I mean add just as well as Ryan yes. Felipe and and it was perfect like when I was watching this I was like I want to see the other guy actually Thank you. you know? Thank you. I agree with you. I would have rather seen that. <laughs> oh my god and I did not know this but Ryan Felipe he looks so fucking tall in this movie. He's only like 5'9 or something like that. I figured he was a short guy. He just kind of gives those vibes Yeah off, and like Freddie Prince really is 6'1 and obviously just towers over him. And you then I'm thinking thing- oh god I was going to say one thing that pisses me off about this movie. So Johnny Galecki is supposed to be the blue collar kid who stayed behind and like, you know, after high school and like worked the, the, you know, as a fisherman on the docks. Yeah. Ryan Felipe kicking his ass pissed me off because I know that Ryan Felipe is supposed to be like some kind of jock or whatever that like, you know, works out all the time. But Johnny Galecki should have blue collar like yeah. strength. You know, he should have you know fought back better than he did. I agree with you on that. I didn't think about that until now. But I mean, he's lifting all those <clears throat> crates with all those you know like all the ice and yeah. all the, you know the he he's going to have his own even if it's wiry. You know, he those guys you don't fight with on you know no. fishermen. No, hundred percent. But you know what? I want to bring up one more thing too. Okay, if he was supposed to have. Maybe it, it, this is really out of context of what we're talking about, but like I do not understand this town and everybody wearing their fucking slickers, twenty four seven, standing in the middle of a fucking parade. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, look over. It's like, hey, that's Bob, and he's in his uh, fisherman slickers. Yeah, it's like that's that's just common. Like we don't we don't take them off whenever we leave the docks or anything. No, we know? wear these twenty four seven. Like okay. You know Anyways. something else that don't make sense about this movie? It's set in South Point, South Carolina. I I feel like there should have been more of an accent. Thank by you. Involved. Thank you. I, you just said that. I was like, Carolina, they, they definitely have an accent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you get to the more urban areas where they might lose it a little bit, there you, you get a, li- a little bit of it at the end of how they say things. Not in this movie. Yeah, not in this movie at all. Like, the, But I'm just saying, like, that, that if they were going to set it there, that's what they should have had. Um. What were you going to say in comparison between Ryan Felipe and uh, Freddie Prince Jr., or were you going to say anything between the two of them? I mm. thought you were kind of going that route with what you were saying earlier. No, I, I was just – uh, no, because we ended up agreeing. So okay. we didn't have to okay. – yeah, we, did, we didn't have to go any further. It was like, yes, uh, fucking Freddie Prince was the worst. Ryan Felipe is good. He was not good in this film, though. So that's what we agreed on. Okay, Yeah. Uh, Stuart Greer plays Officer uh, Caparizo, who's the bastard cop who pulls over Sarah Michelle Geller in the movie. <laughs> um, uh, Bridget, Brigitte Wilson Sampras, who was uh, formerly known as Brigitte Wilson, 
uh, resting bitch face, as I like to call her, because she always has it, although she's got hot resting bitch, bitch face in most of her movies, plays uh, Elsa Shivers, uh, Helen's bitchy sister. Dude, that's uh, all she did was be a bitch in this film. Not once oh God, did she stop. There's not one redeeming moment for, mm-hmm. for that sister in this movie. Watching her die was like relief. I was like, ah, we're free. <laughs> Uh, she played another bitchy character in House on Haunted Hill that mm-hmm. we previously covered. Uh, she's in Last Action Hero. Perhaps her most memorable moment, moment is the teacher, the hot teacher in Billy yeah. Madison. Yes. Uh, for at least guys my age. Uh, if she was in The Wedding Planner, which we have mentioned earlier because I got that confused with another movie, but yes. you really liked The Wedding Planner. I did. Um, <laughs> And she played uh, Sonya in Mortal Kombat. Uh, oh which she, yeah, she, she looks like the character, so that was actually good casting. She on did, that. and I was, but I was very upset because we didn't really get a good snatch grab from her. <laughs> that is true. I, and I was, I was waiting for that. Was Sonya Blade was known for suffocating you in her pussy? Uh, yeah, that is, and uh, yeah, we did she, not get that. It was they, a sad day. So many things they yes. left out. And rounding out the cast is Sarah Michelle Gellar playing Helen Shivers as Julie's BFF and former Croker Beauty Queen in the movie. Uh, obviously known as for Buffy uh, and Buffy uh, Buffy Summers and Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series. Uh, and she was also in Cruel Intentions with Ryan Felipe. And goddamn, the character she played in Cruel Intentions. Mm-hmm. Like, she did good. Yeah, she did good. Uh, there. I, did you ever see Not Another Teen Movie? Yes. Uh, uh, they made fun of that character with like uh, with a character in Not Another Teen Movie, and it, it's hilarious. But I mean, like, but Sarah Michelle Gellar knocked that character out of the park in yeah. that movie. Uh, she was uh, Daphne in the Scooby Doo live action movies. Did a pretty good job in those. Yeah. I mean, showed that she had comedic chops. She outshines uh, her husband. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, she was also in Star Wars Rebels. She did the voice of one of the, um, uh, I forget what the Inquisitors, I believe is what they called them. Like I thought the it was one of the Night Sisters for some reason. The, the Sisters, yeah, that's okay. what they were, yeah. And uh, she was in The Grudge 2 that we've previously mentioned. And uh, she was also in She's All That with Freddie Prince Jr., but she was in a small uncredited role in like a uh, sequence in like cafeteria or something. Wow. Like and then, of course, we've also covered another movie she's been in already, Scream 2, where she plays the best friend or kind of a friend or sorority sister in that movie. Um, and then gets thrown off the the top by, uh, I believe it was uh, Timothy Oliphant's version oh, of, yes. of the character. Um, here's my thoughts on Sarah Michelle Gellar in this movie. She should have been the final girl. She is better in this movie than Jennifer Love Hewitt's at acting in this movie, in my opinion. That's that's a tough one. Um, Think about Jennifer Love's huge tits in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes where she's literally just screaming for, yes. no, for no reason. Uh, I did put her down for best scream. <laughs> well, I'm talking about screaming as in like just like frustrated screaming. Not even yeah, like, not even like screaming in terror. I mean, yeah. Whereas and, uh, Buffy Summers, ooh. aka <laughs> that scene where that scene where Buffy, uh, we'll just you know, or Sarah Michelle Geller is like, you know, being like she comes home and like her dad's got the beer, you know, just vegging out to the game. And like, she has that moment where she's being stalked, but it turns out it's her sister. Yeah. There is real, I mean, she is, that is one of the few scenes in the movie that like is feels 
well acted to me. Yeah. Like, it really, like, you know, she stood out in that scene. And the scene where she dies, she's trying to get over her sister. Toward the end of the movie, she's beating on the door. She's trying to run from the killer. Like, it's the only part of the movie that, like, you know, I was like, I, God, I wish she was the, the final girl in this instead of who we got. Yeah, like, she really put up do. a big fight. I mean, I guess it's just so hard for me because we know Jennifer Love Huge Tits as the final girl of this film, and I don't know for some reason, and I know Sarah Michelle Gellar is an amazing actress. I mean, we've seen her. We've seen her at her best, and we've definitely seen her at her worst, you know, in terms of acting. Uh, she definitely has a range. Uh, she can do it. Yeah, she would have been. I don't know. Now I'm like, why didn't they pick her? What happened? And then there was a couple parts in the film where I was wondering why, if she had ever applied for the role of... What do you call it? Uh, Jennifer Love Huge Tits role. If she ever applied for her or Julie's role. And if they didn't give it to her, because was she already dating Freddie Prinze at the time? That, there's some, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's some stuff in the trivia about how, like, they barely have any scenes together in the movie, which is hilarious, her and Freddie Prinze. But, yeah. Um, I, I saw this mentioned years back on the internet. So it's not like, I can't claim this is original thought, but I did notice it when I was watching rewatching the movie for this podcast. The two people who are the the best, I mean, and again, it's variations of the the main four, are the people who die in this movie, and it, it's it's fucking sucks because yeah. like you you I mean, if you would reverse the roles and then had the other two die off, I think that the, that this movie would have probably stood out more than it did, honestly. Um, yeah. God, I don't know. I'm so torn on it. Like, I don't think that Freddie Prinze and Joel, Jennifer Love Huge Shits were the best, but I'm like, but they, ugh, I don't know. Like, they, like, it's just, that's just what the film is to me, you know? That's what you remember as. Because when I'm watching this movie, because I don't I don't have any, uh, like, you know, nostalgia for this movie necessarily. I was strangely at nostalgia watching part two, but we'll get to that. Okay. But, like, I was watching this one, and I was just like, okay, I mean, like, you know, it, it's it's fine. I mean, I don't hate it. I've, I mean, obviously, Lover's Lane is worse than these. I mean, but, like, I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm just like, the scenes with Sarah Michelle Gellar stand out to me so much versus the ones from Jennifer Love Hewitt, at least in the first movie. And yeah. Like, and I'm not drawing to Jennifer Love Hewitt in this movie at all. Like, they she looks like haggard in this movie oh in my a really god yes <laughs> i was like oh my god she's fugly she is and like i mean the way they did her bangs is one thing oh that my looked god really bad in this one and she just looks she looks sick like she's got like dark you know circles in her eyes which i guess the character is supposed to but those scenes where sarah michelle geller is like kind of acting like she's all anxious and she's kind of holding a cigarette and like kind of shaking and yeah stuff. she she sells that too like it's yeah. not like i mean i just feel like they chose the wrong people to be the the ones who died in this movie like, i went and do we have any like do we have anything in trivia that kind of the, the trivia is awful on these movies okay. like there's nothing there like i really was hoping that there would be more to them but it's just like no um here's a little bit of information about how you know uh some of the people hooked up on the set yeah oh, afterwards woo-hoo. it's just like wow Jesus i didn't Christ. really care about that but thank you uh, um synopsis of the movie is after a night of partying on july 4th four teenage friends accidentally kill someone with their car they do a little more than just kill them with a the car though it's kind of funny that scary movie parodies this yes, so well they, t- they hit him he's still alive <laughs> they throw him in the water but instead of trying to save him at that point they're like no no let's fuck her drown you know yeah. it's like <laughs> we've committed 
Uh, but instead of informing the police and facing the consequences of their actions, they all swear an oath to never mention the incident again and dispose of the body. A year later, messages start appearing that indicate someone saw what happened and is seeking revenge. Low-cut tops, some decent <laughs> blood effects, and plenty of bad acting follow. Unfortunately for Jennifer Love Huge Tits and her friends, this secret is about to kill them all. <laughs> that's another one of the taglines, by the way. Um, it's better. Oh, God, excuse me. It's better than the first one. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, something interesting about this movie is that the, you're not supposed to really care about the main characters because they are pieces of shit when you get right down to it. Jennifer Love, huge tits, a little less so because she did try. Yes. And actually Buffy's character did at a certain point, up to a certain point. Yeah. And then like she got convinced, she's like, no, we have to do this now. But um, they are pieces, they did kill somebody and like they, you know, like they, I mean, the morality wise, like you know, every other movie we watch is a slasher movie. Like, you, you side with the final girl because she's obviously, even if she's not, like, virginal innocent, like, she didn't deserve any of the shit coming to her. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying these none of these people deserve what is this Ben Willis is doing to them either, but... Like, Wait, didn't they Ben are, Willis kill David Egan? Or yeah, did David did, Egan go to him. die there? Wait, I because it got, it started getting so con, con, you know mixed up it, and everything. It gets convoluted, but the theory is that that what uh, David Egan's sister thought was like a suicide note was actually a, a death threat. Yes. from Ben Willis to David. So, because I read all this on the internet, I, okay. I had to have it explained to me because I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um. So yeah. So. Uh, ben Willis had actually killed David Egan that night, and he was on his way back from killing him when they hit him with a Okay. Car. So they they did hit a, a killer uh, and a serial killer at that because in the second movie, they expanded the lore and made it yes. stupid. <laughs> but um, he has killed multiple times. Uh, so there is that to it, but they still killed somebody. So it's not like, you yeah. know, they're... they're these saints or whatever. Oh, they get over it at the end of the film. I really thought we killed someone. We didn't kill someone. Especially Barry, because Barry is, uh, I mean, he, he doesn't care that they killed somebody. He just cares that he got his football or whatever scholarship, you know, uh, which he doesn't look like football player. So I don't know what actually his, he got in the college for, but he's not a football player, but we'll (laughs) leave it at that. Um, yeah, they, I don't know. Like it, it's, I mean, in the original book, the reason that the lady doesn't like this movie is that she made it more of like a Hardy Boys type mystery or something. It's like they're trying to figure out who the person is that's threatening them. Everything else is set up the same way. They did run over somebody and all that, but like in the, in the, it's more of like a whodunit. And then when they made it to a slasher, she was just like, that's so crass. They're just going around killing people left and right. And it's like, would you say it's like a <laughs> Scooby mystery? <sighs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> I think Scooby-Doo actually has better mysteries than this one. Probably. Though, I mean, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, body count, six. Um, and you know what's funny about this? I usually copy the last notes that I did, and like, for the format, and then just go through and just, like, fill it out again. That's the exact kill count from Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's the max, really, with a hook, you know? I just, I thought it was hilarious. I was like, I did not have to change this number. It stayed the same. Oh, my God. Uh, David Egan's thrown off a cliff and drowned by Ben Willis. Question mark. 
Yeah, question mark. I mean, they say it did happen. Uh, Max is killed from a hook undercut by Ben Willis. To me, that's the best kill in the movie because that is visceral, like the way yeah. that oh, Max yeah. gets killed. Uh, and it's undeserved because Max did fuck all to deserve being killed, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Barry Cox is stabbed at least five times with a hook by Ben Willis. Uh, Officer Caparizo is stabbed in the stomach with a hook by Ben Willis. Uh, Elsa Shivers is slashed across the neck with a hook, and then her chest was incorrectly mentioned by Ben Willis. Um, Helen Shivers is uh, killed with a hook behind some tires by Ben Willis. Is how it, and then our two final people in the movie, uh, Freddie Prince can't act to save his life, <laughs> and uh, uh, Huge Tits, uh, they take Ben Willis's hand off, but they don't kill him because comes back so yes. i mean spoiler uh, alert uh, actually freddie prince jr did act to save his life he was in the next film also spoiler alert no he was awful in that movie don't even <laughs> don't even act like he did did anything he is the you've got brandy in that movie and he's still worse than her like i mean <laughs> brandy was a seasoned actress by this point she was and it's funny because she was put there to make jennifer love hewitt look better which is insane I'm, I'm gonna imitate that comedian Tim. i believe robinson's is the same are you sure about that are you <laughs> sure about that because <laughs> i uh, we'll get to it reverend you obviously did not watch moesha and that just goes to show how racist you are just yeah kidding. obviously i mean i thought sister sister was all right but moesha can go fuck <laughs> it, get run off a cliff or something but uh, quotes from this movie. The quotes are actually pretty funny from this because they're so bad. Uh, Ray, look, he's after me too. I got a letter. Oh my and god, that, that was so that horribly acting. Is, and that like, acting I just did is as good as what Freddie Prince Jr. just did. You know what we <laughs> needed to follow right after that was some porn music and followed by like some kind of horribly shot porn scene because that's the kind of acting we were getting. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. Like, I got a I letter. Mean, Ooh, you got a letter, big boy. <laughs> well, it's funny. Barry, his response is, oh, you got a letter? I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. Julie's got a body in her trunk. And you get a letter? That's balanced. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I, I can't detect the lie. Uh, Officer David Caparizo, oh, and did this killer use his hook to cut all your hair off? And then Helen was like, no, he used scissors, asshole. <laughs> okay, she told him. Uh, Ray, I never knew her breasts were so ample. <laughs> and that's and he's talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar's character in the movie, which is hilarious. But. Which is funny because at the beginning, I I have to agree with him on this because were you with me at the beginning of the film? Immediately compared the two of their breasts, Sarah Sarah Michelle and Jennifer Love, side by side. So Throughout the whole movie, Sarah Michelle Gellar got my attention. I'm just saying, like, yeah. she, not even just acting. I mean, if you're going just for the visuals, she's the better visual in the movie. Oh, she God. Uh, really, all you get from Jennifer Love is a little bit of chest, which I used to think, until I rewatched these movies, I used to think she had the biggest knockers. And she doesn't. Part two. Part two. Part two, they stand out a lot more. Reverend, they really do. I hate to bust your bubble there, sir, but that was a push-up bra. Well, I'm just saying they stand out more in part they two. They do. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Now, she did have... Okay, the one thing now, I will say about... Also, 
Go ahead. And also, she's got a very small frame. She so, does. So it stands so out has, more. She has huge tits for her frame. She like, does. I mean. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to a push-up bra, you still need to have something to push up. You cannot have nothing. Um, uh, Sarah Michelle and, Geller, I caught at one point. So I was comparing their chest, and I was like, okay, Sa- Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller has is kind of thick. So it's, yeah. she's nice all the way around. I'm she's just nice saying. all the way around. And she doesn't. she is not lacking in the boob department. And when she wore that green dress, she was looking a little extra booby in that dress. Uh, also, uh, a push-up bra. And I caught it because there was a part of the movie where she was sunken in. And so the the cups were doing the rest of the work for her. Again, still gorgeous and everything. Um, but I was like, why is she looking extra titterific in this scene? You know? Um, I was looking at that. Now, for reference, all I can find on the interwebs is Jennifer Love Hewitt is a 34C. Now, I find that hard to believe because I'm a 32 in the back. And I know I'm shorter than her. I just feel like in pictures, you can definitely tell I'm thicker than her i feel my best guess for jennifer love huge would be she's a 32 d um a 34 is kayla wears a 34 she's thicker in the back than i am and we're both the same in the cups we're the same cups but her cups are bigger because she has a bigger band on the back okay so i don't know if jennifer love huge was actually a 34 d or thirty-two double D, maybe even E. So that's my that's my breast example. <laughs> that's my breast guest. Um, well, I'm glad that you, I'm glad, uh, Mrs. Skin, that you could break this down for us. Yes, I thank mean, you. But... I was very uh. into it. I've been wondering about her booby size forever because in the client list, her knockers are ginormous. And I know as we get older, we and she is a little bit bigger, like not bigger, but she was thicker. She's not the size she was, you know, when she was 18. Um, And her boobs definitely got bigger, so she had a little bit more to pump up in those bras. And and pump up in those bras is what she did for that show. Yeah. She's put to shame in this movie, though, against Sarah Michelle Gaylor. She just is. Yeah, she is. She's got no body whatsoever. She's (laughs) got some knockers. Yeah, and then she just looks sickly through most of the movie. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, and, And here... Now, this is a th- I, you can say whatever you want to about this. Jennifer Love Hewitt, to me, her most, her prettiest feature is, to me, has always been her face, in particular her eyes. She's got yes. these very beautiful brown eyes. Yes. You, you do not notice them in this movie whatsoever. You, you, notice them, you notice them in part two. Yes. With, they really stand out, and she's got a couple of scenes where she, I don't know what it is. She puts it out there, and, like, I dug it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But, like, in this movie, not at all. Like, none of it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you did, was not on display. So. Yeah. Um. No, they were sunken in looking, and she had Wednesday Adams' ugly sister vibes going. She did, for sure. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben Willis quote, happy 4th of July, Julie. And then Julie terrified, please, it was an accident. And ben, I know all about accidents. And let me give you some advice. When you leave a man for dead, make sure that he's really dead. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll be going now. Uh, Helen, come sit in the back. I'll let you do things to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know what, ladies? It works every time. If I... I... <laughs> 
If you're trying to get your uh, belligerent drunk boyfriend to keep from drunk driving you into oblivion, I mean, offer him something like that, and that's about the best thing you can do. If I, mean, I want to get my husband to do anything for me, he doesn't even <laughs> have to be drunk. Not drunk, I'm not tired of nothing. Hey, come sit in the back with me. I'll let you do things to me. Okay. <laughs> I still think back to scary movie when I hear that scene because that's literally what, you know, I think uh, Shannon Elizabeth or whatever says to, you know, the guy who's playing the Barry character and that. And then, then of course, Ray sticks his finger up his ass. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. But <laughs> uh, Helen, well, Bob, at summer's end, I plan on moving to New York where I'll pursue a career as a serious actress. It's my goal to entertain the world through artistic expression. Through art, I shall serve my country. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, that, that is such a terrible beauty. Like, I mean, I know they're bad, like, but it's it's awful. Well, she's uh, like a beauty queen of a town that smells like fucking fish. <laughs> well, then I guess she doesn't have to worry about the odor downstairs. Then, oh, I so. suppose not, honey. That's just normal. <laughs> Hope you got your slicker uh, on. And if this goes to show you anything, a lot of these quotes I've been giving you are from Helen. That's because I believe she does have the better quotes in the movie. Uh, Helen again, yeah, Jodie Foster tried this, and a skin-ripping serial killer answered the door. Oh. <laughs> uh, Elsa shivers to Helen, you and your hair, it's so pathetic. And the reason I say that is because, A, that shows you how much of a bitch Ellen yes. is, or Elsa is. Secondly, there's a whole thing at the beginning of the movie where uh, – Helen is talking to Julie, and she says, whenever you go to be your law a lawyer or whatever you're going to be, you got to make sure you keep your hair, like, up because, I mean, like, so many women don't realize that our beauty's in our hair and all that. So Helen, from the get-go, is, a you know, you know, it's established that she is all about, like, you know, making herself presentable. Her yeah. hair is her, like, you know, Samson-like yes. quality. And the fact that her sister narrows it, like, at her weakest moment, narrows in on her hair, is like the most bitchy fucking thing you can do. Like, yeah. you know, because her sister knows how she is. So. Yeah. Um, Julie, uh, we need help. Barry, I'll say you two should check out a mirror <gasps> sometime. You look like shit run over twice. And then Helen's like, you're a prick. I mean, Jennifer Love <laughs> looked like it, but she did look like shit run over twice. Now, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar was looking good in that scene. She was so looking fine. He, yeah. Yeah. She, he was just being a dick to her, but like it kind of fit for yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, Julie, why would he try to run you over? Why did he make coleslaw in Helen's head? He's fucking with us. He's just out there and he's watching and waiting. And then she, Screams, what are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? No. <laughs> and a lot of bouncing going on. A lot of jiggly bouncing happening at this particular time. And the funny thing is, that's not the only time that she does this because there's a whole scene in the second yes. movie at the grave scene exactly where she says scene. something almost the exact same thing. It's like, bitch, don't call him out if you ain't going to fucking take him out. Like, don't do that. Oh, my like, God. Uh, other taglines for this movie because we got a lot of them, folks. He's got a hook on them. I dot, like that dot, one. Dot. I like that one. Uh, welcome to Southport, the perfect small town, but beneath the surface, there are secrets that just won't stay buried. TLDR. Uh, from the writer's scream comes a terrifying new experience that won't die. TLDR. What started as a new beginning is becoming a dead end. Mm, it doesn't fit. Nope. Not all secrets stay buried. Mm. I mean, that's not bad, but that feels like, I feel like that describes so many other horror movies. Yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes they come back that fits that perfectly. 
for the last year, four friends have kept the secret. Mm, no. <laughs> That's just too generic. Yeah. No, nobody saw him step out. Nobody saw them kill him. Nobody could imagine the terror to follow. No. That that's way too long. Yeah, TLDR. If you're going to bury the truth, make sure it stays buried. Uh, that's a good one. That's actually not that yeah. bad. Someone knows their secret. Someone knows they're scared. And someone knows what they did last summer. Okay, I like that one, even though it's long. <laughs> Someone's got a hook to wield. So fucking cheesy. Yeah, that one's bad. All right, let's discuss the movie we kind of have anyways, but uh, visually. Uh the kills are okay, I yeah. guess. There's they're samey because yes. it's a hook. Yeah. Uh, again, Max's death is the best just because the 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 power that he uses to like gut him through the I think it's like the bottom of his like jaw through yeah. his mouth or something like that, uh, like a fish, hooked yeah, him like a fish. Um, and then the blood's in decent amounts in this movie, so it's not terrible that way. Um, watching it on 4K, I mean they did a great job of the night scenes. Like they really, they, they're lit the way they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. The, the details are staying out that, that scene where they're all on the beach and they're all like fucking basically, uh, that it's actually pretty, it's a pretty scene. That's, yeah. I mean, it, it's beautiful to look at. That had to be a cold ass fucking scene. It probably did. Yeah. Um, the town, though, whenever they're in the town and they're traveling around, especially the middle of the, the middle of this movie, gets to me so bad because it's so fucking it drags like, yeah. a little bit. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not bad. It's not like it, it's not like lit to the point. Like, I mean, you know, like we talk about with the, a lot of these movies where it's just like you know daylight and it, you know, like a yeah. cheap movie. I mean, it's still a movie, but it's just like it doesn't stand out. It's the it's the night scenes of this movie that I mean, cause yeah. They, they really do good co- contrast with the blood and the darkness and everything yeah. else. Yeah, the town has kind of a drab look to it. It has a, a foggy look to it almost. It's not, there's no clear days really. Yeah, and, and nothing really, I mean, nothing about the town stands out. It's just like any town USA anyway. Yeah. I mean, um, so, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, what do you think about, like, we include this in visuals, the look of the killer. Like, what'd you think about, like, his look? The, I thought... The it, black slicker and the, the hook and... I liked it because it, it fits so well with the town. Uh, clearly, they made it to where this town where people just fucking wear these things to go fucking to church on Sunday. Um, <laughs> and the hook is obviously very effective. Uh, there's a reason to have the boots. It's hard to find him because so many people dress like him. And I thought that the uh, collar that went up so high with the with the hat that came down so low, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, I mean, I I think it did a pretty good, especially the hide his face with it. It's, yes. It's, I mean, I don't know how he fucking saw out of it, but you know, regardless of that, I mean, it you know it stands out. Um, one thing in particular. I, I always in the middle of the movie where Barry's like working out, which is also parodied in scary movies, <laughs> but where he's working out in that scuzzy like gym. Yeah. Like, do they not have any place that he can work? I mean, the guy's fucking rich. Like he's got a fucking mansion. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that gym is pretty low, low key for him. So I'm going to say like it, it, I mean, yeah. it, it's a good look, but it looks weird that he would be there doing that. It is. And, you know, I, I it's funny because the, have you, do you, so, 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 just a sign of where I'm from, where everything centers around California. Do you guys have towns like that out there? Um, if we towns. have a town, 
like, so we, we would have like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say that where I live at is anywhere. I mean, it's more built up than the way they portray in that movie, smaller towns like that. Yes. But the gyms would be more like, can, you know, like little like offshoots or like churches. So it didn't have that look to it. Like I, that's what, that's what threw me. Like we don't really have, we either have like the kind of gyms that you expect to have, like, you know, yeah. Um, 24 hour fitness, fitness or, oh, yeah. or, you know, whatever pizza planet. You, yeah. Yeah. Pizza planet. Uh, or you have like a, you know, just like a, somebody's church. It's been converted into a gym and it's just, you know, it might be a little dusty, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's okay. Uh, not that that looks like somebody's like sex dungeon or something. Like I'm just sitting there thinking like, what the fuck? Like who, who works out in the, I mean, that looks like somebody's like converted garage or something like that, that they like made yeah. into a gym. And like, I just don't see that rich bastard doing that in that place. Maybe not him, but okay. So in seaside towns, which we have a lot of them out here in California, we have a lot of areas on the beach, obviously. The fisherman might. Yes. Um, well, th- there's. There's not a lot of rich houses like what this kid lived in. They're literally, they all live in the same type of homes. Uh, Everything's cruddy looking, especially because they're all surrounded by salt water. So everything's corroded and everything really does look like that. So I think they did a really good job. I'm kind of glad they incorporated it because seeing that it's like, this is really what those places look like. You know, so, yeah, they had to use the rich kid to show it. It's a little weird. I agree with you. He should have had his own gym. But I think it. I think the placement of it worked really well for whatever reason he liked that gym. Maybe that's how he grew up. Maybe that's where he went during high school and was like, okay. And then they showed but it I, and put him in, a, in the right place at the wrong time, you know. The problem I have with that, though, is that he might, he makes a point to Ray, and I was going to bring this up, too, during the, like, you know, this kind of bleeds into the story aspect of the movie. There's a whole haves and have-nots, like, under story that they don't develop, by yeah. the way, in this movie, and Ray is one of the have-nots. Like, he tells Ray, he's like, you like hanging out with the rich kids or whatever, implying that both Helen and um julie which i never got from them i, I got suburban at best from them like, yeah he's the only rich kid but he implies that everybody but ray is rich and that ray is a blue collar kid that just got lucky because of his looks got to hang out with the rich kids yeah so uh ray would have made more sense if they were going to have somebody that's working true out in that gym. yeah um but they didn't and i mean and i, I don't know it's it's just that there's certain aspects of the movie that don't, I mean, they threw in that whole, like, you know, uh, talking about the blue collar versus, you know, like the rich, but they don't do anything with it. And I don't even know why they put it in the movie, to be honest with you. Yeah. That Barry's a rich asshole. Um, other parts of the story that I, I don't know, like they, they do a whole thing about like making it seem like, uh, that, uh, Egan is like the one who killed yeah. forever and then like then it's Ben Willis and then it's just and it's like okay well we made a fucking mistake it's like I don't know what do you feel about that I feel like it that was a red herring that didn't need to exist in this movie Um, the only reason I will say that I feel like it works is because these are teenagers that are stupid and don't know what the fuck they're doing and they're trying to solve a mystery and I feel like that's something kids would do they would fuck up something like that you know if they well, were even sh- to get as far as they got 
she did see that he died. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't fit. Yeah. But, like, she didn't see that anybody else, well, I guess they wouldn't have found him if he escaped or whatever. I mean, but nobody had, like, any hints at Ben. Like, I feel like Ben Willis comes out of nowhere in this movie. Like, who the fuck is he? Why is he suddenly, like, you know, the killer? Well, it worked because that was the body that was found. So, they assumed it was the body of the person that they dumped. And it wasn't because yeah. the body of the person they, well, wait, excuse me, Ben Willis was the body they dumped. Yes. Uh, and then, I'm sorry, I thought David Egan came out of nowhere. David Egan made sense to cover up for Ben Willis because Ben Willis never actually died. And they're like, oh, that's the body. That's David Egan's body was the one that was found because yes. he was killed by Ben Willis. Mm-hmm. But Ben Willis, like, he, like he's a non-character in the movie. Like, they don't even, like, I was sitting there, like, researching. I'm like, when did he even, and the only time that he's ever revealed is that final scene where he's on the boat and like there was some kind of thing where like uh, Dave, uh, David Egan's brother, or I mean sister, talks about how he went to meet with uh, and, he, and she gave a name. And it turns out it's the name of the boat that Ben Willis is. is uh, Billy Blue. You know, Billy Blue, yeah. He went to meet with Billy Blue and it was happened to be the boat that Ben Willis. But like Ben Willis comes out of nowhere. Like they're like if it wanted to be a good who done it, they should have introduced the possibility of Ben Willis, like at some point in the movie. They and I they did. When? Okay. When did they mention? So okay, this is the backstory, and I don't know if this happened while they were um I think it was when they were talking to um David Egan's sister, but the backstory is is Ben's daughter, Susie Willis was killed in a car crash that David Egan survived. And he blamed David Egan for that. So he went and killed him. Okay. Okay. So there's there's the a little bit of the backstory that you're looking for. Do they go into I'm, detail? Absolutely not. And was it easy to miss? 100% because I had to watch the movie twice to get the story. I miss that every time because I'm, I swear to you, I fucking go to sleep during the park <laughs> with, with Anne Hayes in this movie. And there I really you go. Do. And that would make sense because, yes, it is very, I know, I like how they make it look very Texas Chainsaw Massacre-y, you know, at her home. But other than that, there's really nothing of interest. So I don't blame you. But, yes, I managed to catch it. Well, well thank you for clarifying that because that makes more sense. And that kind of ties in the second movie because his kids are the only thing that he brought with him from the Bahamas yes. to that area. So the fact that it, his kids died, that meant so much to him. Then, of course, he that he would go on a killing spree or mm-hmm. whatever because of it. So, Okay. I'm a little bit better on the story than in that case. It's just, I kept, I kept, I, I mean, I've watched this movie several times and I keep missing that one, one little line that she says. Oh God. Know. I, I, t- I'm, it's maybe like two sentences, like literally what I read you. She says it so fast and then she gets onto the, um, Oh, it's just, I don't know. The, the scene happens so fast and thankfully so. Cause you kind of just want them to get out of the house. You're like, okay, moving on. Yeah. There, and then there's that little, decent jump scare that she has or whatever when yeah. she pops through the window or whatever that as they're sitting in the car and hands them their cigarettes back or hailing cigarettes. Yeah. But I'm just like, that's the only thing I got out of that whole scene was that little bit of a jump scare, you know? It's yeah. Like otherwise, I mean, they go there, they leave. She, Julie goes back later and then it's, I don't know. I, I've, I've seen better who done it's is what I'm trying to say. Like they, they give you a little bit more and they give you, better red hair red herrings than what this movie gives yeah we've already discussed the the acting but it's not <laughs> it's not the best it's not but the one thing i will say about this film in general and this is like 
almost a closing statement, but not really because I know we're not done talking about it. But this film is very nostalgic for the time. And, like, this was a good time for me growing up. It wasn't, I mean, like, not every, we all have our fucking shit we go through. But it's just nice to go back in this time and remember these actors and thinking, wow, we thought they were so cool, you know? <laughs> I don't know if, my, I think what it, uh, I don't like about this movie is that I think Scream is such a better movie. Oh, 100%, yeah. And this was obviously, you know, right after that. And, um... And I just like whenever I and and whenever it came out, I was just like it, it, I just bounced hard off of it. I'm like, Scream's a way better movie. Why why are we watching this? You know, I like I loved Scream. So Scream like obviously clearly fucked me up. But like this movie, I don't know for some reason I got a kick out of this movie. I got a kick out of Final Destination. These are movies that kind of came out around the same time that you know just little things that blew my mind. I was so easily entertained. I suppose you know. So it just reminds me of back in the days when we thought, well, it also makes me appreciate how much I've grown in terms of a horror fan to be able to look at this movie and be like, what the fuck was I thinking? Uh, to be able to appreciate what I thought back then, but also to be like now, like, okay, now I know what I'm looking for in a horror film. The sad thing is, is that there are, there are actually several July 4th, like horror movies, um, Obviously, the best one is the When Bad Animals Go Bad movie that we'll be covering, which is fucking Jaws. I mean, it's yeah. hands down the better movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, I mean, but if you want to throw this on toward the, ends of the, the end of the evening, kind of have it on the background, kind of laugh at while you drink. And, yeah. You know, it's it's not bad for that. It's on know. TV. It pops on TV. It's a hot summer day. You got the wind, or not day, but evening, and you got the windows open. You know, why not? Yeah, just uh, kind of enjoy it for what what it is. I yeah, mean, I don't I don't hate the movie. I I have fun with it in in certain ways. It's just, but when I'm watching it, I'm just like, I'm like, man, this movie. <laughs> it's hard now because you're like, oh my god, this acting is atrocious. Yeah, I mean, especially Freddie Prince. I, I have never seen somebody with big as name as he had back in the day be that terrible. As oh actor. my god, he was god awful. Uh, and the music. I actually enjoy the music in this movie because that is nostalgic for me. Like, oh, that, yeah. That music takes me back big time. Like, it is of the time. Big. I mean, completely. Okay, hang tight real quick. Um, because I know what you did last summer. Oh, come on. Um, I want to see, because there was another song in there that I was like, oh, my God. Like, it's been so long since I've heard the song. Um... Well, obviously, we talked about the Summer Breeze song at the very fucking beginning. So, um, let me see. God, they have the offspring on this. Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, L7, This Ain't the Summer of Love. Um, is this who I was thinking of? I'm the funny to... thing is, is these are songs that, like, you don't realize that you know until you hear them. I'm playing a song, but... I know you can't hear it. Nope, that's not the song I was thinking of. There was a song that was playing in the middle of this. I don't think it was the... Oh, maybe it was the fucking... It was the second film. Never mind. Yeah, the second one had a lot of stuff, too, in it. Uh, Clumsy is uh, from Our Lady Peace. That's actually a pretty good band. So, mm -hmm. I mean... And Korn, for, you know, had a song in this, Proud, or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, wow. Um yeah, so it uh, told the wet sprocket. It actually had some decent '90s bands in it. I mean, but they were very like, 
B side type songs. Yeah. Like not ones that, I mean, the only one that stood out to me is obviously the one that it starts out on. I will give them credit for this. I love that intro. Like, that intro is amazing. Showing the sweeping vistas of like Southport, like the ocean and all yeah. that, and like the cliff sides as you're playing that, you know, typo negative summer breeze. Chef's Kiss. Oh, it's, 100%. It's yeah, that movie definitely kudos to them for that. I did, they did a great job with that. And great uh, pick of a song. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just like a house on a haunted hill picking, uh, you know, um, Sweet Dreams. Marilyn Manson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's perfect for what it needs to be. Uh, as far as the, I mean, that, I think we've discussed the movie, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't, I can't think of anything else. It's just, it's hilarious that Scary Movie took, I, I feel like Scary Movie doesn't replace Scream by no means, but it replaces this movie. Oh, it, it, it replaces it this movie. Yeah, because I can't take this film serious anymore. I mean, you even have Anna Ferris doing the titty bounce. What are you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Yeah, so, and. <laughs> and she does it better. She does do it better, and it's—I don't know—and it's funny because this is coming from someone who loves Jennifer Love Hewitt. Now, I didn't love Jennifer Love Hewitt as so much a teen actress. I did love her in her more mature type situations. I don't know why I liked Ghost Whisper. I do not recommend watching that show. <laughs> but I loved it. I watched every single one, and my husband's like, his excuse or his reasoning he thinks behind it is that Mexican women love that show because we think it's true. Uh, and there might be some truth to that, but I guess there was another another older white man who just adored Noah for being married to a Latina because he married a Latina. He he captured a Latina, and his wife would just fucking watch that show nonstop, and he'd be like, why are you so obsessed with the show? She's like, ah, mijo, be, pero it's true. It's true, you know? And I was like, I don't say that, at least not in that accent, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely some behind the scenes where I'm like, mm, if I had my grandma beans here, we'd be discussing this. And grandma beans like, me, I me, how that happened, you know? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, trivia for this movie, because there's not a lot of it. Uh -huh. uh, Kevin Williamson wrote this script, like I said, before Scream, but was unable to sell it. Uh, following the success of Scream, Columbia Pictures immediately bought I Know What You Did Last Summer. And this is the reason many critics and fans felt this was a huge step down from his more clever uh, and innovative Scream scripts because, like, it's like this is his rough draft. And it then, is. Like, Scream is his, you know, final product, basically. I think this movie... <sighs> It feels like maybe he wrote it before. Oh, he wrote it before Scream. He couldn't sell it. Great, but he didn't update it or edit it or make any kind of changes to. I don't know. I feel like this movie really could have been better. Know, if you remember, because he the turnaround for Scream One and Scream Two was so fucking yeah. tight that he he was literally working on Scream Two while Scream was in the theaters. Okay, and so like he had no chance of like you know. Okay, I'll give him that. I mean. It's not the worst of scary films that I've seen, in my opinion. No, I mean, it's definitely not the worst. It's not I the mean, best, but it's not the worst. No. Uh, even though the characters Helen uh, and Ray share a lot of scenes together, they only speak to each other twice. When Ray says, how do you know that? And Helen says, Missy said there was a friend named Billy Blue. And then around one hour and, 20, uh, and two minutes, and then... Ray saying, no, it's not true. It's, or no, it's not. It's true, Helen. And then she says, yeah, I don't think so, Ray, at around 10 minutes. That's literally all the interaction they have in the entire movie. 
But despite that fact, they the they became good friends after meeting on this film, and then that's whenever they actually started dating and and, and married. And then they're one of those Hollywood couples that stayed together. Yeah, so I gotta give them credit for that. I mean, you know, if nothing else. Um. Also, I want to point out because it's the only time I'll be able to point this out, and I don't think you can even argue with me that that was some of his best acting because. He was the person who gave the name Billy Blue because it was the name of his boat. And when Sarah Michelle Geller said it, his face didn't flinch. Not a, not a oh, crap, you guys went there? Oh, that's true. I, I didn't think about that. But he's, his face is blank through most of the movie. So it's not, I mean, that I, that's acting by, that's the absence of acting. Yes. him in, in, in a roundabout sense. In the back of his head, you just hear yeah, or the hamster song from oh, back yeah. in the day was playing on repeat in his head. Oh, God. I remember that website. Did you go there? Oh, I still love that. And the hamster. I wonder if that's still, like, a thing. I'm going to go to the hamsterdance.com. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, the ice inside the storage of the boat was actually made of gelatin so that Jennifer Love huge tits didn't damage her huge tits, and she uh, was comfortable to move around inside. Wait, what? what? Say that again? The ice that's inside the boat toward the end of the movie is actually gelatin, so that oh um, yeah, so she wasn't actually like dealing with you know like cold ice and having to worry about that and so. stabbing somebody's eyes out with her nips. I think they did a okay, they did a good job with that. It looked legit. I think they also did a good job with the bodies in the ice to make it look like they were bodies in ice. Yeah, we didn't cover that, but yeah, the dead bodies in this movie, especially Max's inside the car with all the crabs in it. That oh, yeah. Seems cr- that scene's actually gross. Like, oh, it gross. is, yeah. You can hear the clinking th- of the fucking, of the crabs. The one thing that I like about that scene is that at the beginning of the movie, they're talking about the, the hook killers, like, you know, the story behind it, and they keep talking about the the, they give different versions of the knocking that you hear, you know, the scraping on the car. Yeah. And they play on it in that scene because she keeps hearing the clicking, the you know. Yeah, like or the, the, it does sound like scraping. It's the it's the crabs with their fucking little crabby feet. Yeah, so I, I like that scene. I do actually like that. Yeah. Um, writer Lois Duncan was, uh, like I said, vehemently opposed to her young adult novel being reworked into a slasher film, stating she was appalled in one interview. Oh. Um, this was uh, now. This is this sucks. I, I will agree with her on this. This is due to the fact that her youngest daughter was murdered <gasps> by an unknown assailant in 1989, and she says, as the mother of a murdered child, I don't find violent death something to squeal and giggle about. Okay. So I can give her a little bit more credence in that sense. Okay, but I mean, you can't. I guess it's your story, so that is fucked up. But for other people, um. I, I, I don't want to take away from what, you know, what triggers her, but she, before she, before she experienced what she experienced, I'm sure there was a point of her life where she potentially may have enjoyed that or understands how people enjoy it. Well, here's the other thing. Her name is, and it's probably, it's probably those things like characters written by or whatever. Her name is associated with the writing credits for I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and that has way more graphic deaths in, in this movie it, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So if she signed off on that, yeah, it's kind of like you're being a hypocrite. It is, and I was thinking money's money talks, so. Yeah. 
Uh, Jennifer Love Huge Tits had just appeared along former alongside uh, former Scream Queen Jamie Lee Curtis in house arrest prior to filming this movie and was surprised to see she was also filming a movie in North Carolina at the same time that Jennifer Love Huge Tits was. Uh, Jennifer said that Jamie Lee Curtis came over to the soundstage to wish her luck on her first horror film and would come over every other day uh, after that to give her a hug. Oh my God, how fucking lucky, you fucking whore. <laughs> Who gets that kind of treatment? Ugh. Disgust me. <laughs> uh, Death Holler Awards. Uh, what do we think about her final girl, Julie James? I mean, she is the final girl of these films. Like, it, I, I, it, it sucks. Um, can I see Mich- Sarah Michelle Gellar, Buffy Summers being it? Yeah. But she didn't. And I'm like, I, I, I just wonder why. Like, I wonder what about her tryout or her whatever that they were like, nope, you're going to be this girl, you the know? The only thing I can think of is probably time commitment because oh, yeah. Buffy okay. was in the mix. So. That makes sense. Okay. Um, And am I um, upset that it's Jennifer Love Hewitt? No, not really. I think that... I think that it's it just it, it just is what it is. It's one of those films where it's like I don't have any regrets about it, you know. The thing I'll say about her is that of the pantheon of final girls that we have covered, she is near the bottom for a couple reasons. She doesn't really kill the killer except in the second movie. Yeah. Uh, so in this movie, it's a non-issue. She doesn't do the job she's supposed to do. Yeah. And she has to have the help of a man, yes. which is like the opposite. I mean, of I know that happens in some of the ones we've covered, but if you look at what she actually accomplishes in this movie, it's jack all fuck shit. Like, I mean, there is nothing that she really does. Um, as a person who owns a vagina, I would say that at that young of an age, I probably would have relied on the help of a man or was hoping that a man would come to save me if I were ever put in this kind of situation. I would say that every final girl would agree with you no matter what their age, but they still stood their ground and they took the killer out. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't. And she yeah. doesn't, it's not even, and she doesn't even get the, 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 the blow on him that takes his hand off to makes him the hook painted killer in the second movie. Ray gets that because he's the one that like unleashes the, you know, the, the sale that like, yeah. you know, takes Ben up. So she does nothing to the killer in this movie. Yeah. Literally she just escapes to survive and it kind of sucks. Um, All she does in this movie is literally call him out in a, in that one scene that's so famous. What are you yeah. waiting for? And that, and, and so of all the final girls, she talks the most shit, but she doesn't do doesn't anything, do to anything it about it. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. And we've already talked about how she's kind of complicit in being like mor- morality wise. Yeah. Like she's, she's not like all the other final girls, like they just kind of fall into a bad situation and have to deal with it. She kind of, she kind of helped create this yeah. in a roundabout way. Um, what do we think about uh, Ben Willis as the hook handed slasher? I liked him. I thought the guy was very menacing. I thought, what, I knew the story. So. I was like, okay. I mean, like, I don't do. I think his story is crazy enough to. I get, this guy was already going crazy. I mean, he has already just tried to kill a guy just for because maybe he was responsible for his daughter's death. Um, 
I'll give him credit. He's probably the most believable though, because it's like you get people on the, just like the Joker always says that one bad day or yeah. whatever, and then they become like a killer. And yeah, like he's out of all the people of all the other slashers, you know, he's probably the most likely. I mean, you know, well, I mean, Freddie kind of started out as a slasher. Yeah, you know, but I'm saying or like a murderer, but like of somebody just to break bad all of a sudden and start killing people he's probably he makes the most sense of, of all the ones we've covered yeah um he looked the part he played the part uh his voice was i mean everything about him was all encompassing of a slasher so yeah i mean and he's got a good look so yes. i mean as far as that goes uh best kill in the movie for me is max I don't, I mean, who, who did you think? I mean, I, I could see the argument for Sarah Michelle Gellar's, although it's kind of off screen a yeah. little bit. It's kind of hid. It kind of sucks because it's right there. Like, she was so close. I don't know why she turned around at the last minute, you know, to look yep. back. Uh, that was her demise. Uh, for me, I was going to say the one that made me feel the best was, is it Elsa? Yes, she deserved it yes. for sure. Yes, so that to me that was the it wasn't the best death, but it was the one that ah, I feel so much better. <laughs> you got what myself. you deserve, bitch. Yeah. Uh, best scream in the movie, uh, obviously it's Julie. Yes. I mean, uh, I don't. The Sarah Michelle Gellar, I guess she kind of screams at some, at one point when she's being chased, but like, yeah, it's not not it's not a vulnerable scream. It's more like you know, I, I like the kind of it's more like a scream that you give like whenever you're just trying to find help, but not yeah. like you're at your lowest point and you you have to have like some outlet for like you know what's built up inside of you or whatever. It's not like that. So. Yeah. I would say that Julie genuinely sounded scared every time. It was like she legitimately got scared every time she would scream. Like she wasn't expecting that to pop up in front of her. Especially that scene where she opens up the, the crab, you know, Oh yeah. Uh, pit in the, in the back of her car and it, it Max's dead body. That was a pretty good. Point. Yeah. Uh, we've already covered as far as they're not shown sadly, but yes. I mean of the cleavage that we could see it's Helen. It's Helen in this movie who has the best boobs. Yeah, I, I'm that green dress really knocked the knockers out of the water in this fucking in this movie. That was um, it for me. Uh, what do you think's best side character in this movie? I don't think there was any animals that you could get to this give this because I know you like to do that, but I don't remember any of them unless you want to lift that crab that was like crawling up on top of Max. You. Fucker, because that's exactly what I was going for. I was like, the crab that was crawling out of what's his name's mouth, <laughs> not Max, but uh, the one Mister Crabby. We'll give the award yeah, to him. Eugene Crabs, uh, best side character, and he has a sideways walk. So you know, there's that. <laughs> uh, have you seen that stupid TikTok trend where they put like the decals on their car that looks like an like a cigar, an old timey fedora, and they're like sitting there doing this number, like waving their fingers behind the the cigar? Have you seen that? No. It is the most fucking retarded thing. I don't know why it started popping up. I'm like, what in the algorithm gave this to me? Like, what? So did what I is happening? At? What am I not understanding? They are sitting in their car, and somebody's got an out. So like, if you're looking through like somebody's like you know you know winch or you know like side mirror or uh -huh. not mirror but like they're they're just the the window the side yeah. you know passenger driver's side whatever they put a decal up of like a, a cigar 
like at you know mouth level oh i they, see what you're the, saying and then they put like a little like fedora hat where your hat your head would be and then as you're driving past them you can look over and they're like doing this number where they're just kind of like oh no like Fuck off. fingering the cigar and it's so fucking stupid dude doing a little I'm finger like, job this is a this is a gen z thing if i've ever seen it fucking like dumb. i mean no i'm good <laughs> um when you said the when you was talking about the crab walking sideways, yes. I thought of those, you know, like the when I did the fingers. Yeah, like the well, but like almost like the old timey gangsters or something. Yeah, you know, like as they're doing that. Oh my god! Uh, I'm gonna give Max the best side character because the fucker didn't deserve what came to him. Yeah. And, um, uh, Franklin Award, I'm gonna give it to Ray because I couldn't <laughs> stand that motherfucker every time he popped up on screen. I'm like, you can't act, you don't have a point in this movie, get the fuck out. He's so adorably dumb. Like, he's a real party, but he's real dumb. Yeah, and that works for Fred, but it doesn't work for this. No. <laughs> I mean, he's good in the Scooby Doo movie because that's all you want out of Fred. Look at this is how. How do we deal with him? Like, it's like. I don't know how she deals with him. That's actually a very appropriate song for this movie and that <laughs> character in particular. Even though it actually fits with the, the second movie because that's when it was. Yeah, on that's the when the song. Yeah. Uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet? The Doom Prophet is Julie in both these movies, and she's annoying as fuck. She is. She's annoying. <laughs> Titties uh, and all. Yeah. I mean, I give me Crazy Ralph. I, I'd rather see him than Julie. I just Oof, really would. That is bad. Uh, dumbest moment in the movie. Not calling the fucking cops whenever you ran over somebody. How about that? I yeah. Mean, that's pretty fucking stupid. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> they, they could have faced some consequences, but I mean... Uh, they face consequences anyways, it sounds like. Yeah. And then, what are you waiting for? That's fucking so stupid in this movie. <sighs> fucking over I lo- it. I love it, but it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about this one before we wrap this one up? And we'll pick it up next time for the, the sequel to this movie. Well, I just want to recap that. I The only thing I will give this movie is that I appreciate the time era it's from. Uh, some of the member berries, it get, well, not, I wouldn't even say member berries. It's not member berries in this film, but some of the nostalgia that it brought. I mean, living in California where there's a lot of seaside towns like this. I don't know. A lot of things seemed, uh, possible, if you will. It seemed legit. And so, and I was just rewatching this and I was like, man, I, I don't know. It just, it just took me back. So that's what it gets from me. It's not the greatest film ever. If it's on TV, I might let it play in the background. It's not on the rewatch list per se, but I wouldn't be like, ugh, you know, and change the channel immediately. I appreciate the fact that it exists because my favorite, some of my favorite funny scenes in scary movie only yes! exist this movie. Okay, that too. I, I yeah. <laughs> that scene where uh, it would have been Sarah Michelle Gellar's character on stage watching Barry die up on the yeah you know, the ra- in the you know balcony section is so hilarious in scary movie because as soon as they tell her that she's won, she doesn't give a fuck yeah. that he's dead. You no, know? she's like, like, give me my fucking crown. <laughs> I, yes. I mean, I do want to also thank this film for existing because if this film did not exist, Scary Movie 2, it would be missing, what, what like a quarter of the film? Uh, Scary Movie 1, yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Scary Movie 2's uh, uh, the, got that great exorcist scene. And oh, all yeah. Stuff in it, so. 
Uh, but we're going to wrap that one up, folks, and you can see, uh, catch us next time for the sequel. So with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs>